In this week's episode, Bettman Consulting CEO Sarah Bettman and I will chat about GM's new commitments, some DEI awards, LinkedIn's new inclusive features, and much more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Sarah, will you please introduce yourself? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I love this podcast. I love the positive reminder that there's so much good in the world. So thank you so much for having me. I'm Sarah Bettman, founder and principal of Bettman Consulting Group. We focus on the very early stages of DEI and focus on the mindset shift. So answering the question, why bother? So whether it's individual executive coaching, team development, or even creating cultures, which we have a bias towards being inclusive cultures, that's what we work with our clients on. Everything from creating the first resource group in the form of an inclusion council to doing the first scorecards, but ultimately answering the question, why bother? Because we have seen there's a gap in the market of people jumping to strategy because they see a best practice list, they see something and feel like they should do something and they haven't wrapped their head around what it means for them. So that's what we do. I think that is so important because I still find myself having to make the business case, right? I still have those conversations about why this is important and your coaching work fills that gap and helps helps leaders figure out what, what is the personal impact of this? How can I sell it? How can I spin it? Um, within the organization in a meaningful way, in an authentic way. Does that sound right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, the leaders I work with are smart. They're smart leaders. So once they get frustrated or understand the problem, they have the solutions. They know how to apply, say, the work you do and, and the apps and the, and the resources. I don't need to tell them to do that. So I, I'm really taking them to figure out for themselves and for their organization what's important and once they figure it out, they run. And, and it really leads to authentic leadership that is not check the box, not as tokenizing, and really makes a difference for the people they, they really want to serve. Most of the leaders I work with really want all of their employees to be stoked to be work for them. They just don't know what they don't know. That's exactly right. I love that. Well, that sort of is a, a great fit for today's first story, which comes from GM. And I know you have a background in, from working in the Fortune 500. And what I think is really cool about this story is um, GM CEO Mary Barra has done some really cool stuff. But one of the things that I love is that their tagline, everybody in. And a quote from that I found in this article means that we're designing vehicles that will be able to accommodate people regardless of their level of income, 
people who purchase electric vehicles are going to have the ability to charge them wherever they are, regardless of location, thinking about the impact on the electrical grid, making sure that communities that are typically underrepresented or underconsidered are considered when these products are being made. And I think it's just really, really smart. Everybody in is a, is a great value. It's a great leadership mantra. And, uh, and I would love to hear how, how you would approach helping organizations who are earlier on live their values in this way. Yeah, so I think the first thing is everyone needs to look at their values. So you mentioned the Fortune 500. When I got the okay to build their DEI program, the first place I went to their values. Now, I probably should have looked before I pitched this, but I'm like, oh, whew, it's already written. Inclusion, people, those kind of things are in their values. But you have to redefine, even if you've had values for a long time, what are the behaviors of expressing those values, especially today with a new generation coming in the workforce. So that's where we start. What are the behaviors and beliefs that drive your values? And then recognizing not everyone shares the same impact. And I like to talk about implications of these activities. What I love about this article is it sounds like she's really thinking through the implications of you can't just give electric vehicles to people if they have no way to charge them. Right. And the technology is so amazing. I'm, I'm amazed at some of the things these uh, electric vehicles do with an eye towards accessibility. If there's any car that can support different abilities, different socioeconomic status, e-cars can pretty much do it. So, yeah, it's really clear what are your behaviors and beliefs through those values as expressed all the way as she's done through line to your impact on the community and that implication and it sounds like she's thought about it. And I'd be really curious who she's talked to, because I like to say the brilliance is in your organization. And I bet there are people commuting to and from work or couldn't commute to and from work for whom have an opinion on this and, and know that charging stations is going to be the biggest barrier. So that she's already thinking about it tells me she's already thought all the way through the business. Well, Talva Magruder, who's the chief DEI officer at GM, has really been leading this. And what she says in the article is that she's privileged to work at GM because she has a great team of people who are who are leading this work. I mean, it's, it's not something she's doing alone. She's not in a silo. It is really a whole organization effort. And I think that's what's what's really key here. And thinking about it beyond just HR, but thinking about how the impact of electric vehicles can really affect low-income neighborhoods in particular. It's it's very cool. And if I recall, she came from manufacturing or in the business. So she doesn't come from an HR background or for me, a leadership development background. And I think that's her superpower because she, she's been there. She's walked the lines. She's experienced life, whatever her role was. And going back to those implications, those things that sometimes come on high don't help the people they're intended to help. And I, I've loved her approach because I think she brings all of herself, including her experience in manufacturing, to the role. And, and that is a differentiator, applying ground level experience and not just coming at it from HR and say where I come from, leadership development. And I think that it's a great example of ESG, which is Environmental Social Governance Initiatives, really connecting specifically to DEI, especially when they're really considering the impact of low-income neighborhoods with infrastructure. So it really goes deeper than DEI into this bigger ESG umbrella, which is really where every organization should strive to get to. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the next story we have this week is about private equity company Carlisle, which has been incentivizing diversity work with DEI incentive awards. So this is uh, an awards that awards that are given out to employees who've contributed significantly to the company's DEI efforts and employees have to be nominated to earn the awards. You know, I see the pros and cons here, but what I really like is that employee engagement scores have gone up. DEI is increasingly embedded in the organization. So it doesn't seem performative to me. It seems like this is actually working. Yeah, so it's it's I talked about values down to beliefs and behaviors, right? And that which you celebrate is what you get more of. So if you look at inclusive behaviors as defined by the peer group and perhaps impacted, you start to elevate and create a groundswell of organic inclusion. I love this. I used to work for, uh, I did some work back in a previous consulting role for a large company, an aerospace company, and you'd walk the hall from their conference center and it was celebrating all the leaders of the organization. Well, you can guess what the makeup of those pictures were, right? That was traditional. And someone recognized at new employee orientation, so it must have been someone who uh, who facilitates this, notice these are what our new employees are seeing as they walk into the room and hear inclusion. So they came up with an idea to celebrate people living their values. And immediately that wall changed. It was diversity across the business, diversity by title and role, diversity by ethnicity and race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, whatever the, the diversity was, but it also taught every employee what it takes to live the values and how to get ahead. And I think until we teach people what is success looks like, and there's the literal success and the things you need to do, but also how you show up, they don't know how to win. So I, I love this. To your point, there's pros and cons in debates, but I do fundamentally believe these types of activities are really sound. You know, people love positive reinforcement. And I think that example you gave of the employees who are so values focused being in the hallway is, is beautiful. It gave me goosebumps, actually. I'm going to steal that idea. I think it's really fantastic because we've all been in those hallways. We've all seen those plaques and those photos of, you know, the uh, stale white males. To be perfectly well, blunt, right? It's funny because I always say I'm a secret shopper. I can walk your hallways, sit in a meeting, and I'll know very quickly, are you living the values of inclusion? And and we teach everyone to be secret shoppers. That way people can catch, like, I don't know everything. You don't know everything. But us together know mu that much more. And if you can get all employees noticing, I'll give you an example. One of an uh, uh, individual contributor in uh, one of the previous organizations I work with, recognized that the first experience for anyone hired didn't allow them to identify pronouns, preferred name, and this person is transgender, and he was mid-transition, and he didn't know if his legal name or dead name was going to be used, or his preferred name, or his new name. And so it was his first instinct going into the interviews, I don't know what's going to happen. So yeah. they start, that wisdom came into the organization, they added a few questions to the intake. And now it's inclusive, not only for transgender people, but people who have different pronouncing names. And I like to say, Rob, Bob, or Robert, right? But, you know, it, it sure. doesn't have to be an ethnic name, like we make it complicated. But that wisdom came from the organization. And I, I'll probably say this over and over and over again with 
people in your organization know how to do this well. They notice the bumps. And, and when they see themselves on the wall or they see how to get ahead, they will resonate. Absolutely. I love that example. Great. Well, that's also about embedding inclusion, embedding equity into the process, which is something I talk a lot about. Okay. So the next story is from Taco Bell. And I, I love this story because what Taco Bell is doing is they are putting, they're investing in their front line. And a lot of companies don't. And, and that's why there's a lot of turnover in frontline employees. Frontline employees are typically underpaid, undervalued, under-resourced, et cetera. But Taco Bell has created a program to help employees become store managers and ultimately franchise owners. They have a whole business program that they can take. It's, it's fantastic. And it's a great way to create equity, especially for BIPOC folks who typically are the ones in these positions. Oh, I love this so much. Every organization I work with has an hourly workforce, whether it's in a warehouse drivers or in retail spaces, and they usually get crammed into the DEI numbers. And I recommend keeping them out because of that high turnover. But they're a pool of diverse talent. They're already bought in. If you can create bridges for them to accomplish their life's goal, their career goals, you've got a person who wants to be with you for life. And I'll tell you, as much as they say the, the previous gener or the upcoming generations don't want to work, it's not that. They want to work in a place where they can make a difference and achieve their life goals. They're much more values-based. And when you connect at that level, you have a, a forever pool of talent that will fill every role for the rest of your existence if you do that well. Well, and absolutely, those folks are more diverse. It's a great way to increase diversity by promoting from within. And those folks, particularly Gen Z, they want to see the path forward. They want to see their, where they can go within the organization and what opportunities there are for career progression. I mean, I think everyone does to some extent, but I think that it's something that uh, when there's that kind of focus, I think it's only going to help everyone. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so the next story comes from LinkedIn, which has added some nudges to its recruitment platform that is reminding recruiters that their talent pool is unbalanced. So if a recruiter has created a job description and the people who are applying are from unbalanced in terms of gender, then the LinkedIn app is going to nudge them and recommend skills, locations, and companies as new filters to improve the gender balance. I love, love, love this. Technology can be a wonderful thing. I actually, um, the jury's out for me. Um, there is, I have concerns going back to the mindset. If someone wants this and has done their work and is emotionally intelligent enough to know what the message is and what's received through those nudges, it'll be great. But I, I'm, I'm curious. I got to watch it, see what happens, because I'm afraid it actually might cause more harm than good. So mm. uh, jury's out for me on that one. That said, I do believe in every HR process, you build bias interruption into the process. So I happen to be an ally for LGBTQ. And if I'm really stoked on an LGBTQ person and someone feels that the business case is empty as far as skills and experience, I expect you to challenge me because you already know I have a bias there. And so challenge me. So you build it into your conversation with a diverse group to just make sure, hey, tell me about more about this person. Oh, here's all their experiences. Here's all their talents. And they're going to be great. Ah, I see what you're seeing now. That's not your bias. You're just leading with your bias and how stoked. 
that's okay. So I do think that the idea of nudges and bias interruption is really important in communication. I'm not sure it's going to work in technology, but I am a bit of a Luddite. And so I will, uh, I will just, I will watch and see what happens. I can't wait to follow up with you to see what you think in six months or a year. Well, you know, with artificial intelligence, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? So it depends on the original data set. So if the original data set is actually not very useful or not very diverse, then perhaps the bias interruptions uh, are not very effective. But yes, we will we'll have to revisit. Okay, and this sort of goes along with something you mentioned earlier, but the fifth story today is a personal one. As I was going up, I took my family to Disney last week, and as we were as I was preparing and playing around with the Disney app and updating my son's profile on the Disney app, I saw that I could give him a title and one of the title options was Mix, which is MX and that's a gender neutral honorific. This is an alternative to Mr. or Ms. or Miss. And uh, I just love that. It was right there in the app. I could have made my son Mix Coveney Smith and I didn't, but I could have. Um, but yeah, it was just really cool to see that. I think that goes to the artifacts that we see. What's our first experience with an organization? The first thing you look at the website, you look at their leadership and you start to see what kind of language they use, what kind of offerings and any applications. And I will tell you, there is a whole host of people that are closing your website just because it's still in a binary. So I love that so much. And those are, you don't have to announce it. You don't have to make a big splash, just do it and make it an option. And that's one thing that's important to me, at least the stage with the clients I work with, that DA is a fog that permeates the organization. So people wake up and all of a sudden go, wow, that's different because these things start popping up and there aren't grand gestures and announcements across AP, they're just there. And so the people who notice them think they're great. The people who could care less, probably won't even notice them. So I, I do love that. And I think for every organization, what are the subtle ways that you can show inclusion without the, the fanfare? It's gonna be way more powerful than anything that requires a lot of fanfare in a press release. I completely agree. And that's a perfect example of that. It's probably a, a very small change to the database that allows them to, to update this. And, and we see some software companies already having built this into their technology. HR companies, for example, Workday, I think, has it built in. So those are the types of things that I, I love to celebrate. And, you know, if there is fanfare, by the way, Sarah, people might hear about it on five things in 15 minutes. So I don't mind a little fanfare because I do need no. stories. But I think the subtle approach is very effective internally. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today, Sarah. It has been a real pleasure. How can folks find you? What's the best website or place to find you online? Yep. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Bettman. You can find me at www.bettmanleadership.com. And there's some information about the work we do there. So those are probably the two best places to find me right now. Awesome. Thank you. Again, this is Sarah Bettman from Bettman Consulting Group. Really psyched to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. I hope everyone out there watching, listening has a great week. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to 5 Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my 5 Things newsletter, join at 5thingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for 5 Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 